methods in integral yoga before we speak about some of the methods and efforts that we um, can undertake in integral yoga it is important to have a little bit of a background as shurbindo says that we are not the sadhaka of a book or many books but the sadhaka of the infinite so also while it is good to use methods it is not good to be tied to methods so we had a wonderful living demonstration as always shurbindo <laughs> it's wonderful to have the music if it's not there still she is important so more important is to remember that methods are helpful but we are not seeking a method for the sake of the method when mother was asked about uh, hat yogic and raj yogic practices she says one may practice hat yoga and raj yoga and yet not be spiritual so it was a very shocking statement for many and so she was asked but doesn't it give a discipline she said we are not seeking a discipline for the sake of the discipline we are seeking the divine and the divine as we have been reading and it's a subject of experience above all is everywhere in everything in the peace and the storm in the quietude of vast stretches of desert and in the rattling of wheels of chariots on the battlefield is everywhere and in everything and when we are open to him everything becomes a wonderful music even silence speaks to us so this is the background for us to there are several methods which the mother and shubhinda have given to us at the same time they have said that the divine has all methods and no methods so that we don't become rigid about anything but like a river flow towards the goal how does the river flow this beautiful place mother says be like a river the river remembers it has to reach the sea it remembers it comes from the mountain tops nothing else required where we have to go then whole life becomes the unfolding of a yoga within us the core of the effort which is more important than the actual practice shobindo has revealed to us is a triple effort triple labor of aspiration rejection and surrender and this aspiration rejection and surrender has to gradually spread from some deepest part of a being on to each and every detail of nature let's take some examples and it's a double labor required in this yoga on one side the labor of the which leads to the florescence of the soul the labor to come in contact with the psychic being and through the psychic door with the divine presence within and on the other side a labor to prepare the nature to receive the divine and express the divine and manifest the divine in life and works and actions and all that we do and are and will become in the future so this aspiration also has to be double rejection has to be double surrender has to be double or we may say triple depending upon 
how we look at different aspects of our nature. So to aspire for the divine, to unite with the divine, to become one with the divine is one kind of aspiration. But in life we deal with many things. We work, we have relationships, we play, we have vacations, <laughs> we have all kinds of situations. So what do we aspire there? We aspire for truth and beauty and light and peace and harmony to manifest. So when we work, normally we work for the sake of, well, we are doing a job, we need money. Money has to be there. We are working for promotions. We are working to satisfy our ambitions. But if we can bring this aspiration that may my work be an offering to the Thy service, may it become your service. The whole thing begins to change. So when people come to us, they are no more just clients. They are divine in various forms who is coming to us. I mean, there are so many experiences one can have like this. Yesterday I was sharing, you know, sometimes um, in the ashram context, even earlier as a doctor, patients come and some of them can be very, very difficult patients. And, you know, there is a tendency, at least as a doctor, sometimes you just feel that, you know, it's, it's really not easy. Not, not the disease, but the patient who is coming to you. <laughs> disease is easier. But then you remember that, look, um, I have to see the divine in this patient. The divine has come to my door. It's not just a person who has come. And then boundaries begin to vanish. It, it, one can practice it everywhere. In the Air Force setup, I had so many instances. We have a setup where only certain people would come, you know, so-called outsiders are not allowed. In the ashram also, we have categories, ashramites, this, that. And one has to make a conscious effort that, no, these are human man-made categories. They have their utility, which is very temporary, and one should understand their temporal utility. But at the same time, if somebody has reached, it is the divine who has come. So many examples, uh, one of the doctors who used to get excellent result in his practice, someone asked him that, what is special medicines you are giving? He said, no, it's no special medicine. So, how come your results are so good? So he said, nothing. When I stand in front of the patient, I simply say, hey, Sachidanand Brahm, what kind of a mask are you wearing? I don't like you wearing this mask of disease. Get out of this. Get rid of this. How beautiful it is. He is invoking the supreme in the patient. Now obviously, uh, the patients didn't know. Nobody knew. But very quietly this goes on inside. Similarly in our relationship. It doesn't matter what is the outer frame. These are all human conventions. But the core of any relationship, whether it is parent, father, mother, brother, sister, husband, wife, children, friends, all relationships, core is love. But this love gets mixed up with expectations, hopes, fears, anxieties, demands, dependencies, all kinds of things. But what if in any relationship, regardless of anything, if we can bring in this element of aspiration and aspire that may my love, my relationship be full of purity, truthfulness, beauty, 
harmony, peace, then it will become a yoga. And it will make us so independent. It's no more dependent on the other person's reciprocation because we are receiving everything from the divine. We are not dependent on other person's response to us. We are worshipping the divine in everybody. There is a very, you know, in Indian conception and mother speaks about it when a story, uh, Phil was shown in the playground on Sati Anusuya. In Indian thought there is a concept of Sati. And uh, strangely only women are Satis. There are no Satas like, you know, Men are not regarded as capable even of loving truly. It seems like that. There may be some truth in it. But I hope it will break soon. So women, by the sake of just the purity and truth behind their human love, could transcend the plane of the gods and command the gods to become children. We all know the story of Anusuya that, you know, the gods even get jealous of her. They can't believe somebody like a human being can love. This is a very interesting story because mother gives us a clue to integral yoga in real life. Mother saw this film and she was very happy. So in this film, the gods get jealous and they want to test her. So they come in impossible conditions that would you feed us? Yes, of course, please come in. No, no, you have to be without any clothes. Make us sit in your lap and feed us. How does a woman do it? And she has committed. She said, no problem. So be it. You are like my babies. What is there? I am like your mother. That power of her consciousness brought upon them a kind of spell. They became like little babies. Sat in her lap, ate and she put them to sleep. Then the three goddesses come in search of their husbands. They are lost. They can't find them. And ask Anusuya, where are they? Where are they? Have you seen them? She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are three babies sleeping. Check out which one is yours. Take, take him along. <laughs> when the mother saw this movie, she had a very beautiful comment to make. She said, first, only human beings are capable of this love because they have a psychic being. The gods cannot love this way. Human beings can because they have the divine presence in them. See, this is the sign of divine presence. We often feel, oh my God, for the sake of divine, we have to leave everybody. Maybe one way or maybe we have to purify everything another way. So in the integral yoga, we are embracing the world. We are not shunning, leaving, rejecting. Everything can become an occasion. So then she says that the power of human love is such that it can take you beyond the gods. Just human love. She's not even talking of the love turned towards the divine, which is of course something par excellence, you know, when... Um, but this is the path of preparation where everything in life becomes a catalyst. So we aspire for truth, beauty, peace, harmony in everything. We are dealing with people who are so-called our subordinates. How do we deal with them? Mother says that. That there is some... Uh, something one can say glory or a little bit of you know uh, courage when you resist your superior but what is the courage in dealing with your subordinates in a very horrible way she used to be very particular tell people don't misbehave with servants in this way so beautifully there are so many letters of the mother how we should deal with people who are serving us they are serving why forget about human beings handkerchief which would be torn and the mother would use it after repairing. And the lady asked, mother, but it is torn. 
throw it away. So many are waiting to give you beautiful handkerchiefs. He says, you know, my child, it has served me for so long. Handkerchief has served me for so long. We go and live in a house and we think it's my house. But look how beautifully the mother, when she is talking about the house she has lived in, in Paris, there is a beautiful prayer. She says, this house has a religious atmosphere. And when she is leaving it, and she says, here the meditations are more deeper. She has created such a beautiful place. And she says, what an illusion that I thought myself to be the mistress of this house. Divine Mother is showing us by her example. What an illusion that I, that I thought myself to the mistress of this house. That is why in India, the concept is of Atithi Devo Bhava. It's not just a word. The guest is the God who is coming into my place. Of course, be careful of certain gods who will not go out of the place. <laughs> I am Atithi and Deva. <laughs> but all said and done, there is a truth behind it. We could equally say patient Deva Bhava. Why not? Because they are coming and we are getting an opportunity to serve. At one place when Satprem is very agitated, wants to go here, there and come back again. and Then mother says, you know my child, there is one joy that you do not know. It is the joy of service. One joy that you do not know. It is the joy of service. One of the simplest way to practice integral yoga in real life is to serve. Automatically it brings humility, suppleness. To start with anyone. Just make a cup of tea for the lady of the house. Start with that. <laughs> Simple. I can see certain heads are nodding. <laughs> the other way. <laughs> simple. People who are there to look after them, care for them, how much caring the mother has been. It's unimaginable. She would see from the balcony darshan as the divine people are standing below and you know they are doing pranam and she is uniting with the supreme and pouring her love and light on people and after that she suddenly calls someone. Tell him to take some extra eggs. He is not looking fine. She is concerned about the disciple's health while standing there. This is divinity in action. So many small examples of the crow, the tree, how much she would care, bother. Trees would come and tell her, Mother, they are not bothering about me, they are just shopping me. Mother, they are not caring about even for pen. For smallest things that the disciples would give, they would forget and mother would remember. You know, you had given this to me? What kind of love this is? So when we serve, we should add to it love, not drudgery. Oh my God, I have to do this job. Very often this is a simple sign. People say, you know, how to offer, how to offer my work to the divine. Mix with it the ingredient of love. And the sign that the offering is true is that you will feel a joy. If joy is not there, that means something is missing. When service is 
done with love to anyone. Divine is, of course, uh, if we can serve the divine in people, in creation, and of course, directly the divine mother's work. These are the three gradations. There is a great joy when we serve with love, with the sense of the divine presence in anyone. It's beautiful. There are so many, so many stories. The other day we were talking about this lady who just by living in the house had reached that state that she could tell the yogi, I am not a bird whom you can burn away just by looking at me. These are not just stories. Tremendous tapasya is needed to practice these things. Try practicing one day. Somebody who just, you know, brushes you aside and after a while say, maybe the Divine Mother wants to give me an experience through him or her. Somebody criticizes, just step back and see, maybe there is something that the Mother wants me to learn. And if there is something good about the criticism, take it. And if there is something not right, leave it aside. And yet to carry love in the hearts, very, very difficult. One day practices, one day, one hour, half an hour, (laughs) half a minute, this is how integral yoga proceeds. So there is, there are, it is bringing that aspiration and it would also mean rejection. Every time we aspire that may this work that I am doing, may this relationship in which I am engaged at this point of time, may this journey of mine, may it be full of, may it be your journey. May it be you who serves through us, loves through us, receives our service then we have to also do rejection because many things will come in the way. Anger will come, greed will come, lust will come, want will come, jealousies will come, possessiveness will come. There are people who hold on to their chairs as if you know, they are indispensable things. Let go. Chair is not important. It's the same thing like a method. Important thing is something else, someone else. It is there, fine. If it's not there, fine. Look at, you know, and Shubindo speaks about it, that in Indian thought, we loved extreme characters. Shubindo speaks very highly of this. Look at King Harishchand, and he speaks about this story. That why, how we loved extreme characters. Here is a man who in a dream has seen someone to whom he has given the kingdom, not even in real life. There is no legal document. And he comes next day claiming the kingdom. He says, yes, I am waiting for you. I step down from the throne and walk away. This is the fire of yoga. This only somebody can do when the love for truth and light is so prominent, so much awake inside that nothing else counts eventually. Other things are there, they have their place, but a very relative place. The only thing that matters is the absolute. And then surrender. Things are not in our favor. Circumstances don't go the way we want it. People are bad even when you are good to them. You believe and they cheat you. Doesn't matter. Offer it to the divine. When somebody asks the mother, when you have faith in people and they deceive you, what does it mean? She said, it means your faith is not strong enough. (laughs) Amazing answer. What does it mean? So these are countless opportunities. Every day we get in our life. Sometimes it's food which we like, sometimes it's something which we don't like. It's okay, find the way. River is, you know, instead of complaining, cribbing, if you don't like the food there in the, uh, what is it, the cafeteria, cafeteria, there will always be something down below, at least in uh, (laughs) this retreat. I can vouchsafe for it. (laughs) 
They will eat bread, butter, even the morning something. Pick it up, eat it. Rest. It's okay. And if nothing is there, fine. Always some banana or something will be there. You know, it's it just because important thing is not that. We have not come here for that. And it's there, it's very nice. But we have come here for mother, for her love, for her service, for her joy. So we can start with this attitude of service. Anybody, anything that we do with the joy of service. Not that we are doing some big favor. Or, you know, um, if somebody does something to us, lack of gratitude. Oh, I deserve it. These are totally crass egoistic attitudes. And as long as we have such crude egoism, how can we even talk about experiencing the divine? It's a very far thing. Let us bring some suppleness in our life, some gratitude, some joy. of. And then of course when we thus begin to serve. So it's not that as a doctor I am a very highly intelligent man, highly qualified. And if I have given a prescription, I have done a big favor. No, not at all. I am given the opportunity to serve the Divine Mother in this way. When we go to ashram, you know it used to happen that when people used to come to uh, our place when I was in the Air Force from the ashram, I would feel such a joy and I would say, Mother couldn't come like this, but at least those who have served her have come. And it was for me like something of her is coming. And people used to be surprised because they knew their imperfections. But it doesn't matter at all. Similarly, you know, when right now one goes, this, this is how that look, you know, when you look after an elder, elderly ashramite, you get this feeling that they have seen her, they have loved her, they have served her in whatever way. See, if I can do a little bit, it's such a joy. It's no more the person. How the person takes it is irrelevant because your devotion has gone to mother. And she receives it. That is the beauty of this approach. And then of course there are certain works directly given by the divine. And that's where I feel having a center has a great, great advantage. Where you can directly engage and participate in mother's work. Like work of this kind, it's directly mother's work. It's not just, you know, we are a general karma yoga. It is a special karma yoga where... You know, Shobindo made a distinction between the ordinary karma yoga and the karma yoga which is part of the Shobindo's integral yoga. In the ordinary karma yoga, there is no stress on transformation of nature. It's an offering to the divine. Remembrance of the divine. Here we have to see that our nature is becoming suppler. It is becoming more plastic, wide, open, luminous, calm. It is more receptive to that love, that beauty, that power, that strength. All this becomes part of and by this process slowly a kind of background consciousness begins to develop in, in a sadhak. And that background consciousness supports him through life. Smallest details have to be revealed to her. People would go for picnic. In the ashram people go to picnic. It's not that they are sitting rigidly and you know all the time. No, they go to picnic. But when they, what is the process when they go to picnic? And this is right you know, when mother, even now she is physically present. So they would tell the mother. Mother would ask all the details. Where are you going? Okay, when will you go? When will you come back? Who all are going? All the list of names. Sometimes she would, and so vigilantly she would see. It's not, it was not just a formality. Someone was telling me that uh, when her name was uh, shown, what? She is also going. 
No, 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 she should not go. That's it. Somebody else, yes, go. People would go for matches. People would go, you know, but they would tell her. And after offering, and then they would go. So, wherever you are, we are going, whatever we are doing begins to become a joyous journey and way of contacting the divine. After all, what is yoga? Uniting with the divine. Before the union, there is a contact. How do we come in contact? Through prayer, aspiration, through being like an open book to the divine. If I am unhappy, mother, I am so unhappy. This fellow has said such a thing to me and I just can't handle my anger. That becomes a yoga. Rather than becoming grumpy, complaining, whining, whimpering, reacting. Yes, there is a momentary. We are all human beings. We have our issues, problems, difficulties. But when we turn it towards the divine, they become a way of yoga. And she shows that in her so many prayers. How beautifully she writes. Of course, this is not connected to her personal life, but so beautiful. Suddenly, before the my pride wept, fell, and I wept before thee the sweetest tears of my life. The mother writes it in her prayer. She says, O oh, supreme and only confidant, it is idle to seek other than thee someone who would listen, a friend who would understand. So experiences of disappointment can become catalyst for yoga. Experiences of happiness can become catalyst for yoga. So slowly a background consciousness begins to develop, a field begins to become ready in which now the divine can start doing his work. Not before that. So this is one kind of effort where in every part of nature, even in the body, we go for a walk, we do go for swimming, we play some games. And how beautifully after many years mother gave the prayer of the cells. And she says, now they are beginning to become aware of what is the true purpose of physical education. Otherwise everybody thought we are just building muscles, becoming strong, looking smart, handsome, etc. etc. Now they are beginning to become aware that this is the purpose of physical education so that this body becomes more and more capable of receiving her light, her love. By serving her with the body, like look at in dining room. The beauty is, most of the people who work in the dining room, they come from a very, very modest background. Many of them have not even studied, you know, properly done their grades, uh, higher grades. But just because of the joy of service, they are so beautifully rooted in yoga. Spontaneous understanding of what yoga is and what it is not. They can't give lectures. If you call them, they would just sit and say, no, no, no. You know, I had a very, uh, very beautiful exam, funny experience with someone. So, uh, I just said, you know, I have to go because someone is coming, wants to meet me. Why the person wants to meet you? No, just counseling. Counseling? What is counseling? Now, you know, <laughs> literally the person doesn't understand anything about psychiatry and counseling. I said, counseling means the person is in difficulty. So, you know, uh, I have to give counseling. So, why do they come to you? So I said, well, I'm a psychiatrist, so they come to me. No, no, but why to you? So I couldn't get the question in all earnestness. So I said, no, no, tell me what, what exactly is in your mind. Says, the person says, no, 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 means they can go to mother and say, mother, this is my problem and that's the end of the story. I said, exactly. <laughs> I said, if they can do it, surely I'll be redundant and I'll be very happy. <laughs> But I can't tell people who come to me, go to the ashram, sit at the samadhi and that's it. <laughs> Don't come to me. 
And the person says, yes, exactly, this is what you should do. <laughs> Why are you wasting your time and the other person? <laughs> and I am telling you not a word of exaggeration. And the person was saying this in sincere earnest. Because the person just couldn't understand why somebody has to go to a psychiatrist for counseling for a problem (laughs) when there is such a beautiful, simple solution right next door. And it's so true. It's called getting the yoga in the right way. Nothing is required. If one can do it, then nothing is required, really speaking. It's yoga made easy. If at all there is a yoga made easy. Otherwise, you know, we have all other things. We have lectures and we have psychiatrists and we have counselors and we have books and we have all kinds of things. So this is aspiration, rejection, surrender at every level we have to bring. And the joy of service and the ingredient of love in all we do. If it is not there, we should hold on. Divine does not like. If our consciousness is bitter, it tastes bitter. We don't want to give karela to the divine. Let's try to bring in it that love and joy in service. So this is one part of the effort and the more we do, slowly a light begins to grow. And as this light grows, it shows us automatically. We don't need somebody else to tell us. We don't need a book or an almanac. So very often people ask, oh in this yoga there is no yama and niyama, do's and don'ts. And very often we say, you know, you have to go beyond morality and it's not moral, ethical. So people get very confused. Now here is the answer. What is expected is something much higher, not something lesser. Morality still is within limits. Morally, you are perfectly fine if you compel your wife or husband to do according to your wishes. Morally, there is nothing wrong. Legally, you are perfectly fine if you get angry with your child. But if you are doing yoga, you would automatically know from within that this is a wrong movement. This is unbecoming of the mother's child. This is not beautiful. This is unritam, untruth. I spoke a lie. This is not how mother's child should be. Nobody will know. Nobody else needs to know. But you would know from within that this is something which I have indulged in. There will be countless things like that. That's how step by step, step by step one begins to climb the high path of yoga. It's a tapasya in its own right if one likes. Oh, I had this moment of greed. This is unbecoming. Oh, I mixed up the delight or the wine of divine love in the chalice with the poison of human ego. Oh, this is desire. Remove it. So it's much greater than yama and niyama. Yama and niyama list out five things and five things on this side. It's very simple. And it's very simple to deceive oneself there. So somebody would easily, you know, um, not pay the income taxes and can explain it. (laughs) Or one starts practicing things in a ridiculous way. Apparigraha. So what is Apparigraha? Nothing belongs to me. So, you know, um, I'll make sure that my name is removed. That's not Apparigraha or walk out of the house. Apparigraha is to live in the house but never with the sense that this is my house. That sense of possessiveness, that this is mine. To walk away, if tomorrow one has to walk away. That's it. And yet while one is there, 
to fill that place with beauty because it is after all one among many temples of the divine so it this is that's why it's not an easy yoga it requires tremendous sincerity because of this reason it's easy to say that every day morning you get up and 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock do this mantra sitting in this place after your bath with a tikka on your forehead and a janeo in your uh, you know or a dhoti on you know wearing that that's very easy anybody can do it but far more difficult to remain with a vigilant consciousness to make the progress whenever one gets an opportunity so this is how it proceeds and along with that there is another effort which is required is to go within to tear the veil inside and to go beyond the hard lid of the mental consciousness this is the other kind of effort one is on the surface consciousness and the more the surface consciousness gets prepared the easier this becomes otherwise we are so much full of all kinds of things that the moment we sit for meditation all the bhutas and pishachas the ghouls and the ghosts which are tied inside they become free they say now we are going to torment him <laughs> our chance because they are there inside we are not uh, conscious of them very often people ask why we are not conscious of the divine when he is everywhere this is a very common natural question because of these four ghouls asuras unconsciousness we are conscious of a body we are conscious of people we are conscious of everything going around except that a wall of unconsciousness because of falsehood we indulge in all kinds of falsehoods anritam so how are we going to come in contact a genuine heart sincere heart open heart which doesn't you know live behind veils of deception crookedness these are the things to get rid of from nature and then the divine presence is so beautifully present because we enjoy suffering so the delight escapes us we do everything that will bring suffering but that which will give us freedom and delight we stay away from that so these are the things the more we do the more interiorization becomes easier interiorization or going within because this is one of the practices and processes and before we do it once or two simple practices which the mother and shubhindo and it's of course part of any yogic discipline in general because interiorization is something which is done in many yogas only here it is done with a slightly different purpose and that is first the practice of inner quietude and this can start with speech not letting our speech flow in impulse of anger crude things then slowly not to let the speech flow in impulse of falsehood unconsciousness just chattering away throwing away energy slowly 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 we begin to conserve this then practicing still deeper quietude in the thoughts and so many methods mother and shubhinda have given us one method is to simply separate from the movements of nature and be a witness it's a whole swirl which is going on and on and on endlessly the same thoughts one had 10 years back same thoughts are still tormenting if one doesn't do anything another 10 years 20 years they will again torment so to learn to separate and observe them just to observe them without judging them without 
flowing with them, just to observe them. Many thoughts we will see gradually die off. They come up, push us to speak or act. But if we stay quiet for a while, after a while they begin to die down. Impulses, again they will begin to die down. Very often, you know, ah, let's get this thing. But if you wait for some time, its charm is over. It just goes away. So slowly, by trying to separate oneself, one begins to get a very point of advantage within nature, a part where one can step back when all this storm is going on. And this can be practiced anywhere at any point of time. In the midst of a very agitated environment, there is a crowd and it's, you know, um, literally jostling, pushing, all kinds of things are going on in a party. Sometimes people have to go, I believe there are compulsions. One has to be in a marriage. Worst kind of things where donkey sits on a horse (laughs) and believes himself to be a king. (laughs) But doesn't matter. Step inside. Let people do what they are doing. It's a tamasha, nothing else. That's not what real relationship is about. It's not about all that ostentatiousness, all that show, sham, how big the packet was of the gift. It's about love. And love is not dependent on a formal institutional structure. If it is there, it is there. And it's beautiful. If it's not there, all institutional structures and frameworks carry no meaning. And that's what we see. It's breaking down. It's an age of truth. People say it's a decline of values. It's the true values coming to the forefront. So, nobody ever teaches children how to truly love. But there's a big show about marriage. So sometimes a sadhak may be caught there. As far as possible, avoid such situations. Because they are full of excitement, full of vital interchange, full of something very dark in spite of outer lights. But if you have to go, try to step back, stay inside. I have had such strange experiences, taken to a marriage, not wanting, but I have gone somewhere to somebody's place and they feel, you know, <laughs> must come. It's okay. So go there and practice this inner quietude. Pray that may this couple and may in this environment her light and love may manifest. May all these darkened energies deviated from their purposes. How mother has prayed. May they also be uplifted towards your light. Mother prays like that. She prays for all the inhabitants of the ship and the sea. So when we are surrounded by people, how beautifully she is traveling on the ship and she says, I prayed for all of them. And then I prayed for the inhabitants of the sea. We don't even bother. And then through each other for the whole earth because everyone is interconnected. When everybody must be enjoying, partying, steering, drinking, she was praying. Praying for everyone, for the tree, for the fishes, for the sharks, for the invisible beings. He speaks about them. For the clergy who believes he knows. Biggest fools are pandits. Because they live in the illusion of knowledge. It's much better to admit that we don't know. But to live in the illusion of knowledge is very, very dangerous, fatal. Because it stops advancement. So to always remain like a child advancing towards the future. 
and then she prays, gathers them all, offers them to the divine. When mother came to Pondicherry, how does she pray? She says, I entrust their destinies to thee. So that something of thy light may be brought into these darkened souls. So all the time, prayer is not just that, okay, for myself I am praying, mother, may my day be good. Okay, that's good. But some of our prayers at least should be also for the earth. Sarve bhavantu sukhina, sarve santu niramaya. We have these prayers. So beautiful prayers. Meant for the whole earth. Because if all are happy, I'll be obviously happy. I don't have to separately pray for myself. It's included. Of course, they have to be spontaneous movements. They are not artificial things. But they widen us. They make us feel interconnected. To pray for a tree. To pray for the food. To pray for the hands that have cooked and brought. Whole life can become a prayer. So slowly, by separating, disengaging and turning life into a prayer, upward, the veil begins to get rent. So beautifully, Sri says, a veil behind the heart and a lid above the mind separate us from the divine. Nothing else. Love and devotion rend the veil. And in the mind, silence, the lid thins and vanishes. We become quiet, quiet. Then these energies will come and act. But we have put a big shield of our thoughts, hovering. So we don't allow, there is no space for the divine to act. Because if he shatters, if he pushes himself, it will shatter and we would be totally lost and confused. Because he is infinite. He doesn't act according to our mental conceptions. So that's why he waits, knocks at the door and waits. It's a beautiful... Um, tradition in there are many interesting traditions in Indian thought one of them is Jagannath Rath Yatra it's a unique day when God comes out <laughs> normally you go inside God comes out and reviews his kingdom because he's on the way to his Mossy's place so he looks around and everybody is around pulling the chariot and all that there is a very beautiful prayer of Tagore in that context. He comes out and knocks at everybody's door and says, do you have something to give? Do you have something to give? Now, that's our opportunity we can seize. There are so many moments when we are very close to the divine. When people are not there, when you know there is no work, we are sitting quietly. But instead of using that opportunity, we just lose it. We say, oh my God, I am getting bored, restless. Let me get up, do something. So we lose that opportunity. So interiorization practices are not only at a fixed time. It's good to have a fixed time. But again, not to be tied to a method that if I, if that time is lost, then you know, we are very unhappy and we become fidgety and jittery. Once I was traveling in a train to a village and there was a Swamiji also going with me for, uh, for the camp for which I had been invited. So the Swamiji's after a while in the morning became, started becoming very uncomfortable. So we asked Swamiji, do you need something? No, 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 I am looking for a station next station. Okay, station is going to come. So he says, how much time it will stop? He said, not much. He said, oh, then again he was sulky face. What happened? He said, no, I want to take a bath. (laughs) So like an idiot, I said, take a bath in the bathroom, you know, you can put water, at least if you are so much. I thought some people are very, you know, they are feeling warm probably, I don't know. It was a second class compartment. I said, you take a bath. 
no, no, I can't take bath from there. You know, it has to be a pure water. Now, how do you get pure water? <laughs> I was reminded of my mother. She would do it. So when the train stops, she would go out and, you know, uh, find a place. And those days, of course, trains would stop for long and you could pull the chain. But now it's not like that. So I said, it's okay, but maybe, you know, we'll reach till evening. He said, yeah, by evening, but, you know, he has to do his mantra and puja. So by now I understood the game, but just out of little fun, I said, so you do it now. I can't do it till I take my bath. (laughs) So it's a catch-22 situation. So I reminded him what Swami Vivekananda has said, that every day we must give bath to our body and soul. But if you don't have time for both, give bath to your soul. That is always possible. It's not that the divine sees, oh, you have taken a bath, good, now you can sit. Otherwise you can't enter my room. That human beings can say, don't come till you have taken a bath and put a nice perfume. But divine, if we can do it, very good. But if we can't do it, still we can take a bath of the Lord. So to take a bath of the Lord. So what is this bath of the Lord? To sit and we can use an image, we can use whatever way it comes that from up above beyond this lid her light her grace her peace her love her beauty her strength her boundlessness her wideness her joy is pouring 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 into our head creating peace harmony light truth pouring into our eyes giving us new sight, pouring into our ears, opening the doors to an inner hearing, pouring into our throat and mouth, making our speech filled with the golden wine, pouring into our heart, bringing sweetness, light, peace, harmony, joy and the vibration of true love. Pouring into our lungs, filling our breath with renewed energy of the divine. Pouring into the lower parts, cleansing them of all that is dark and obscure and petty and egoistic and selfish and vain and self-glorious and bringing thereto wideness and strength and peace and light. Pouring into our limbs, making them jars of ecstasy and peace and strength and love pouring into each cell of our body opening each cell with a luminous trust to the divine this we can do it's not a difficult practice it doesn't need a long time initially we may feel that oh this is but after a while it is magical We don't have to sit long to do it. We just sit for a moment and it starts, this pouring, this descent. Waves begin to flow down and we are wrapped into the embrace of the divine. It can be as simple as that. But obviously this is part of the practice. And we have to do it joyously. No practice is a drudgery. It is a joy. It's our moment with the divine. Imagine when people went to see the mother Supposing their eyes were on the watch, it's getting late. How long will it take? That's not how we go to the divine. It may be one moment, it may be one hour. 
to be true to that moment or that hour. Mother used to say that. It's not like I have to keep sitting in meditation for one hour. Sometime we sit for few minutes and we feel that joy and we spontaneously come out. It's okay. Sometimes we just want to continue doing it. It's fine. So to be, to trust that moment, to give to that joy of being near the divine, but not in an artificial way, in a mechanical way, but in a very natural, spontaneous way. So these are some of the things which we can do. And one simple practice which subsequently the mother said, Shobindo also said, but he didn't emphasize much, but mother spoke very much about it, is the mantra. But here also she said, mantra is not something artificial. It is something which must spring up spontaneously from the depths of the heart. It need not be in Sanskrit. It can be a phrase from Savitri. All can be done if the God touches there. Or just Om Namo Bhagavate. Or simply Ma 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 Ma. And after a while this mantra begins to become our personal number, personal identification number, PIN for the divine. So we use this PIN and it gets connected. It's a very, very powerful means, especially to quieten the physical consciousness and to form our connection. So if we practice it, if we uh, get into this habit, after a while the mantra is taken up by the inner being and accepted by the divine. Initially it may not be. It just springs up from within and you know we just go with it. If it's not there, of course one can start by some mantra which is outwardly. After a while something will spring up. Or reading Savitri. Suddenly a line will strike and it will become our own mantra. Or simply as I said, mother used to use this mantra, my lord, my lord, hey Prabhu, hey Ma. So when this mantra begins to become more and more active inside us, then life becomes even more beautiful. Every time there is a problem, a danger, a situation, a crisis, something to be resolved, something we cannot understand, simply ma, 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 ma. And slowly that begins to act upon everything, inwardly and outwardly. So, so many examples, it has to be seen to be believed. I have been once face to face with total rowdies, six of them, with sticks in their hand. And obviously you can't fight with six rowdies and totally with sticks in the hand. I mean, it's not a movie that you start, you know, and just because <laughs> you are from Air Force and trained a little bit, <laughs> you can't do that. So what do you do? Start calling mother, ma, 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 ma. And start walking. And strange, they initially try to stop you, dodge you away, and then after a while they they give way. Ma, 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 and you walk, and something happens. They are as if paralyzed into inaction. And then you reach a point, then suddenly, as if they come back, you know, like moments freeze. This latest Mahabharata they show that time freezes. I have actually had this experience with. You know, this kind of two, three times concrete experience of time freezing. In the sense that you are active while everything else around has stopped. And then when you have gone beyond a point, like in this instance, crossed a certain barrier road when you are safe, suddenly these people come back into action. 
and whatever stick they have, they throw from far. It lands few feet in front of you, you know it's just frustration, nothing else and you just walk your way safe. Literally freezing in time. And it's amazing, when as if, as if that there was a sequence of events and the divine tweaked it. Another amazing instance, I'm sharing this not because there is anything special about me, it's about mother. And I'm sure all of us have experienced it in their life. And it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Getting into a train to take a seat. You know, those days when, you know, there was, I don't know, anybody here may not have experienced general compartments where there was no reservation. <laughs> that last, that's it. <laughs> so there is no reservation. So you want to be the first one to get in to get a, at least a place. And Kolkata. So as soon as the door opens, I was standing, you know, relatively young man. Relatively. Still, it's young only. But relatively even younger. So you want to get inside. So I get inside. I froze. I don't know what happened. I froze. I just couldn't move. I still can't remember that how it happened. And the rest of the people went ahead. And there was a thief hiding with a dagger. And he put his dagger in the first man who entered the compartment. And snatched his pocket and this thing and ran away. And there is you and cry and I would have been that man. Another amazing instance, I am just saying how mother can intervene and tweak time. This is not story, this is real, real, real uh, time space curve. You know, there must be some terrible, uh, you know, highly, some kind of science also involved in it, which some physicist may probably find someday. But another example was when a bus was going from uh, Bangalore to Pondicherry and I was there with my wife and four-year-old son. And as is usual, you know, children, they want to go further up and down. And you're telling, don't do this. Bus is moving, sit quietly, but you know, they don't listen. And suddenly this bus banged against a, another bus. And we all were shaken. And first impulse was like, I spontaneously cried out, both of us, about our son. Like, you know, now this boy was frozen standing in that bus which is banged, normally one would fall. All of us were shaken. And right in front of him, the broken window panes, all shattered glass. Anything could have, been hap- could have happened and he's just frozen in time. And as soon as I see him, rush to him and you know, bring him back. And then he begins to cry because he realized. And then I asked him, what happened? He said, no, mother just held me from behind. This was his... Because four-year-olds, you know, they don't... Uh, uh, he said, mother held me from behind. Literally held. The bus is banged and nobody can stand like that. Not even a uh, you know, strong will. And this is a sudden thing. It just remains frozen. So there are ways that the divine intervenes in our life which is beyond our comprehension. And all this becomes part of the yogic journey. It's not about miracles. It's about one more way that the divine reveals himself to us. And it becomes a beauty. Life becomes so wonderful. Sometimes, of course, we have to go through certain things. It's okay. That too is part of a love. To practice that equanimity and surrender and, you know, go through. There are parts of a nature which are very difficult, which needs to be course corrected. So the divine will take us. But he will carry us in his arms. We have to go through. 
you know there is a beautiful line in Savitri where there are lot of comments which have gone on that this was the day when Satyavan must die very often people ask why Satyavan has to die Savitri is God she could have simply made sure that he doesn't die at all so I ask a counter question why Mahabharata has to be there Krishna was a God he could have just made sure that there is no Mahabharata Sometimes we ask a similar thing about our own life. Why we had to go through this? This seeming darkness? Well, because certain things help us to grow. But the difference is, when somebody asked Shurabindu about the sunlit path and said, when you are on the sunlit path, then there would be no problems, isn't it? Shurabindu says, no, difficulties will be there. Even when you walk the sunlit path, but you walk through them with the joy of being surrounded by the divine presence. You know that. And she will carry us. So to have this trust, this faith, and if it is not there to, to, to develop it. How to develop it? So many ways. Be in the company of those who have faith. Stay away from those who are full of doubt. This is a simple remedy of the Gita. That's why it's so important to have collective study circles and collective groups simply because it helps us to get together and strengthen our aspiration. Places like this where we all come back and you know we, our fires mingle and mix and offer to her. It's a yagna. So it helps to strengthen the aspiration. Otherwise we are lost in our normal life and all its routine activities. To spend some time simply Reading Shurabindu and the mother, they will fill our mind and our heart with such, they will fire it with faith and love and light. It's so simple. There are so many practical aids that mother and Shurabindu have given, which we don't use. One of them is their works. They are not meant for adorning the shelf. They are meant for adorning the library of her heart. Just, if we cannot read everything, just every day we can do like this. Some, like some people have a message, they flip and read a message. It's nice, but simple way. Keep Mother and Shurabh in those books. I'm just suggesting a very simple way. Best is if one can read every day something. But otherwise, randomly, every day pick up one of the books. Open at random. Read a passage or two. Let that passage go into our, you know, reflect upon that passage. Let it go deep inside, sink inside. Next day, pick out another book, read another. This way you will end up covering almost a little bit of everything. One day it will be Upanishad, one day it will be Veda, one day it will be Savitri, fourth day it will be Mother's 1956 writings. Like that we can do. It's a very simple thing and it will give us the joy of spontaneity. So we don't feel, sometimes you know, people say, oh, I have to finish this life divine, it's becoming very difficult. It doesn't matter. So this is one simple way to read Mother and Shivabindu. Another very simple practical aid they have given, which we do not use, is Mother's music, Sunilda's music, her reading of Savitri, it has such tremendous power in it. And it's so readily available. For Sunilda's music, this entire set, you don't even have to pay money. Just give a CD and they'll copy it. Or nowadays everything is available on the web. It's all available. 
just to play it in the environment does it take long does it need so much effort we all have systems computer is there and just to play it in the morning and be with that this one of things that i love to do you know morning get up and and then you know then you go to the plants and tell them look you know and they are very happy that you know this fellow has played it put it and same thing at night one can do it so we say it's a aid mother has given for us it's not just something just like that oh there is something called mother's music it's yes she has said that she would bring down uh, forces and there is a movement in it she has given names for these music there are passages which are portions of music which are called quiet power another marching in search of the soul a third one meditation of the spiritual warrior fourth one life in eternity fifth one construction of the future one is only promise another one is hope such beautiful things with the music it's in priceless gift so easily available only thing is one should not suddenly abruptly cut it off just let it go to the because it's a full movement then even more simply her photographs mother and shubindu both have said they are not just photographs a portion of her being is in that can there be any simpler way they have put something of themselves and these are not uh, you know the words of a faithful devotee <laughs> this is their own words so if we trust mother and shubindu and what they have said then this is something which they have said that they are there in their photograph something of them is there in their photograph and if we carry we don't have to make a show of it but sometimes you know at least i love to surround myself with the photograph but at least you know one or photograph something in it in our pocket packet uh, pocket blessing packets are there these are all aids the biggest aid of all the shurbindu ashram pondicherry shurbindu has said that that you know it is good to return to the place of central influence we go to so many places why can't we just you know hop on and just go maybe for a day two days three days and spend a few time few moments near the samadhi it's a practical aid i'm not talking of the four aids which shubindu has of course written about in synthesis of yoga but very very because they knew it's so difficult for human beings to you know follow this path things which contain their touches their signature portions of their sari all these are wonderful practical aids we may not realize its importance but they are concrete touches given to the physical being they open the very body to her consciousness and so many such things are there if we aspire for us uh, for it they will come to us they are not things which we can just go and buy and pick up but we should have the aspiration and the time comes when they will come these are all aids such wonderful things which are available so all this is a many sided effort of this yoga there is no beginning of it and there is no ending of it it's not like an end point i have arrived i have achieved i have self realization that is the biggest folly of all what is the self is it a point or is it infinity we can drown ourselves in that ocean and yet we would say we don't know that is how the upanishad speaks about it how beautifully avigyatam vijanata avigyatam avijanata he who has the thought of it knows it not and he who has not the thought of it knows it 
when we believe we have it, then we have lost it. How beautiful it is. This infinity will reveal itself in countless ways. And we should just keep on moving more and more into it. And the more we move, the more we will discover the wonders of the divine. And our consciousness will become more and more like a child. Because it's forever on the trail of the great discovery. Just give me five more minutes. I know uh, we are closing on. But... um, Something I would like to read from Mother. I have had an interesting experience, Mother is revealing to us, to a disciple. She is saying, Mother is saying, I have had an interesting experience. You know, like a child, one would see her. So many, even at 80, she would undo a habit. Amazing. And she would say, oh, you know, now I see what I spoke earlier, this is something even more truer and even more deeper and even more. This is how the mother would speak. I mean, it's amazing. They were not attached to anything any way of life, any mode of activity. How beautifully Shirobindo step by step, you know, would leave things when needed, would be in it when needed. And same thing with the mother. When she came initially, she would remain confined and disciples would wonder she is not coming out. And then she came out and she participated in all the activities. And then again she withdrew. And then she would plunge into the yoga of the cells. I mean, there was nothing fixed about That's the beauty of one of the things which are wonderful. Not yesterday evening, but the evening before, someone came and told me, Mother is describing her experience, I am fully in the physical consciousness, no more meditations, and the divine has become something up above, so far away. This is the disciple's experience. What is the mother's experience? Then, instantly, while he was speaking, the whole room filled with the divine presence. See how we live in two parallel worlds. That's all. Everywhere the divine is there. Oh, I told him. What does the mother tell the disciple? Not up above. Here. Right here. And at that moment, everything, the whole atmosphere, you know the very air seemed to change into divine presence. The very air. Mother touches her hands, her face, her body. You understand? Everything was dust, dust, permeated. But with, above all, there was a dazzling light, a peace like this, a power and also such sweetness. Something you felt it would be enough to melt a rock. The disciple is saying, I feel I am in a physical consciousness, can't meditate. Mother is experiencing simultaneously such a massive descent of that light and power that it can melt a rock. There's nothing but that. And we are like, everything is like something shriveled. You know, 
like dried up bark, something dried up. This is our problem. It's not that divine is far from us. It's we have cut ourselves from the divine. We have turned away from the divine. We have closed ourselves in the limited circle of our ego, in the pettiness of our thoughts and narrowness of our hearts. You get the impression that things have become hard, dry and that's why they don't feel. That's why they don't feel him. Otherwise everything but everything is nothing but that. You can't breathe without breathing him. This is pranayam. <laughs> what kind of pranayam mother has taught? How many counts? Of course she has talked about how when she practiced pranayam, count of 12 and 12 and 12 and 12. But this is another pranayam. The pranayam which gopis practiced. And gopis were told by Uddhav. Gopis were Krishna's, you know, all keepers of light, playmates. And Uddhav, the intellectual pandit, comes and tells them, you all don't know how to get the divine. I will teach you a method. Yes, Uddhav, tell us a method. Sit like this. Be quiet and practice pranayam. So what do we have to do? Breathe in. I will count and breathe out at this count. So the gopis, one of the gopis says, sir, one question please. <laughs> oh, you are very distracted. What is the question? She says, you know, I, this is very fine, good method. You can patent it also under your name. Though pranayam is as old as <laughs> God knows. She says, but only I have one question. All my breathing, my prana I have given to Krishna. How do I practice this? I have to take it back from him and do it. It belongs to Krishna. With every breath I take, say Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. You mean I should stop that and do this now? So Uddhav is all confused. He says, my God, where has he sent me? So she says, breathe without breathing him. Sometimes a joy to breathe the Lord. You understand? You move about and it's within him that you move about. As I said, not a time warp but a timeless warp or a cocoon. Everything, the whole universe is within him. But materially, physically, physically. So, what is it that the mother wants us? What is it that she is looking for? It's the cure of the drying up that I am now seeking. (laughs) Why human hearts are dried up? Why it's civil? Why it cannot feel him? I feel it's fantastic, you understand? And then, when listen, when I listen, it also says things I told him. But then why do people always climb up above? And with the extraordinary, fantastic humor, the divine is telling, with the fantastic humor, because they want me to be very far from their consciousness. <laughs> as simple as that. We don't believe that without some very specialized things, he will be near. So he says, okay. Like you go to a temple and the pandit and the person who goes both don't believe that without the pandit we can go near the Lord. So what to do? No choice. The Lord says, okay, I'll sit quietly inside. You know that story of when a church was being built and they suddenly decided, no, blacks have to go to some other church. And one fellow says, my God, for so many years I have worked in this church. Now they are asking me to go away. And Christ appears before his eyes. And says, no worries. They made me go away from here five years back. You are only going now. So we are in good company. (laughs) So this is how we are. 
and with the most extraordinary fantastic humor because they want me to be very far from their consciousness. Several times, several times I heard, why do they go so far to seek what's within you, to seek what's everywhere? You get the impression that he is everywhere, everywhere and there is nothing else and we aren't aware of it because we are shriveled up, dried up. We have made tremendous efforts to separate ourselves and we have succeeded. Separate ourselves. We have made the effort, not the divine. We have succeeded but only in our consciousness, not in the fact. In the fact, it is there, it is there. There is nothing but that. What we know, what we see, what we touch is as if bathing, floating within that. But it's permeable. It's permeable. Absolutely. That goes through it. And then she concludes. She touches her forehead and says, the sense of separateness comes from here. It's the mind. So this, yes. Stop here. Thank you so much.